Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's In the News case is out of Cassville, Missouri. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. On May 21, 2023, a 49-year-old ER doctor named John Forsyth was reported missing after he didn't show up for a 7 p.m. shift at the hospital. He was last seen at 7 a.m. that morning when his previous shift ended, and it was unlike John to ever miss a shift. In fact, in the 15 years he worked for the hospital, he had never missed a single one. With his absence being so out of character, his coworkers were immediately concerned. That concern only grew when they tried to get a hold of him, but got no response. With time ticking and no sign of John anywhere, he was officially reported missing. There is no question about the quality of doctor John was. In the very, very small town of Cassville settled in the Ozarks, everyone knows everyone, and when residents got wind about John's disappearance, there was no shortage of people who wanted to make sure that everyone knew what kind of doctor he was. One patient posted online saying, he was so good to me. Another adding, he's a good man and a wonderful doctor. Another patient stated, he's a fantastic doctor, with another posting, he was the nicest and best to deal with. Several of his patients recounted specific instances where John treated them personally or treated their family members, and the consensus was that John always made it his personal mission to make sure that everyone who left his care left healthier and happier. When it comes to John's love life, he was by all means a serial monogamist. Though he was recently divorced, it was actually finalized on May 11th, just 10 days before he went missing. The Associated Press reports that he had actually been married to his now ex-wife twice. Their first marriage lasted more than 20 years, and their second lasted only three. From everything I could find, their divorce seemed pretty amicable, though. Members of John's family have only had positive things to say about the mother of his eight children, all of whom now lived out of state with their mother. Part of John and his ex-wife's divorce settlement required John to pay $3,999 a month in child support with an added $15,000 a month in what looks like alimony, but on court documents was listed under the Division of Property and Debt. The document noted that John was required to pay the $15,000 a month until either his ex-wife remarried to someone else or John died. 
And while that's probably a pretty jarring dollar amount for mostly anyone listening to this, child support and alimony are calculated by the percentages of someone's income. If the court came up with that number, it had to have been based off of the amount of money John had been bringing in. Naturally, with the news of that hefty monthly requirement, there were a lot of people who wondered if maybe John had simply run away to avoid making those payments. But someone who says they work with John, and I have no reason to not believe her, said that that amount of money was pocket change for him and that he gladly took care of his family whatever they wanted or needed. That as far as John goes, his child support and alimony would have been no reason for him to run. In fact, she added that John regularly told people that he was only a doctor because he loved it and it kept him busy. It wasn't something he was financially dependent on. And if that doesn't make you wonder what in the hell was bringing in more money than an ER doctor, you are definitely not alone. So where was that money coming from? Enter cryptocurrency. According to an old article on Forbes, it looks like John had bought some bitcoins back in 2012. And by 2017, the increase in the worth of a bitcoin made him an instant millionaire. John didn't just take his newfound money to the bank and let it sit. I found several different companies listed under John's name, and many of them had to do with cryptocurrency. His profile on a website called WellFound said he was the founder of a company called Allerton Exchange, which was listed as a Bitcoin exchange company, though in an article on Currency.com, it said that the company actually minted physical cryptocurrency medallions. The medallions were a sort of physical representation of the digital currency that had a code engraved in them linking to the fund's online location. The research into cryptocurrency for this episode has tangled my brain in ways that I didn't know possible. The Currency.com article about the minted medallions brings us to another article by Vice, which shows that the company took a weird digital turn. The article is titled The Great Physical Bitcoin Robbery. John's brother Richard, who will be mentioned a lot in this episode, talked to Vice about how in 2017, hackers stole the codes or keys, which had been personally engraved into the coins, which was apparently the most important thing about them. If I'm understanding correctly, the code would lead the medallion owner to some kind of online banking type thing that holds your very real digital money. With the stealing of the expensive codes, it looks like at least 10 of the medallion holders had their accounts wiped. Richard told Vice that it must have been someone close to them because he burned the codes after engraving. He added that the company was taking on debt to reimburse their customers, though they'd only be giving out refunds for the next month due to the ever-changing value of cryptocurrency. You can imagine that might have left some customers a little bit upset. With the crypto hacking in his past, let's fast forward to present day. At the time of John's disappearance, he and Richard were the owners of their very own brand of cryptocurrency, which they named Onfo. The business model is interesting. According to the company's online presence, it looks like it launched in 2019 and the website claims that it breaks you free from the limits of banks and traditional currency. The site states that it's a cryptocurrency you earn by sharing it with your friends, that anyone can join but only with a referral code from a friend. John made a post in March of 2022 saying that each Onfo is worth 42 cents and you get 10 of them for each person you bring in. So you sign up, you get 10 Onfo equal to $4.20. The more people you sign up, the more Onfo you have. 
They specifically mentioned that they wanted people with EDU emails, which sounds like the market targeting is towards students here. Judging by John's online profiles, it looks like Onfo might have been his main business priority at the time he disappeared. With John's missing person report filed, Cassville police wasted no time trying to track him down. Their first order of business was checking the RV he stayed in when he was on call. He would park it in the hospital parking lot and sleep there until his next shift. John wasn't found in his RV, but two cell phones were. Two cell phones make sense if he had one for work and another for personal use, but what didn't make sense was why they weren't with him. A coworker posted online that he was on his phone 24-7. Another detail that had the stakes raising was that John's RV had been left unlocked and his car was nowhere near it. So the search for his car began and it didn't take long to track it down. According to KY3, his plates had been run earlier that day at about 12.15 p.m. by a Cassville police officer. The officer had been driving through the Cassville Aquatic Park when he noticed a black car parked behind a fence in an area of the park used as dumping grounds. A photo on the Daily Mail shows John's stethoscope still hanging from the rearview mirror. The car seemed out of place, so the officer ran the plates just to make sure it wasn't stolen, and when he learned that it wasn't, he went on with his day. With John now deemed a missing person, police went back to the park and searched his car. It was parked behind the entrance of a chain-link fence in between the fence itself and a massive pile of sticks and brush that was taller than the car. The positioning of the car was also a little interesting. If you drive through the open gate of the chain link fence, your car is going to be pointing north. But John's car was parked facing the opposite direction. The hood of it was facing the fence, almost as if it had driven through the gate and then quickly turned around. The location made it so that you just might miss it if you were driving by. According to the Daily Beast, it too was found unlocked, and inside they found the keys, John's wallet, his passport, and a work briefcase. Ozarks first added that a laptop had also been found in the car, and a sergeant with the police department told the Cassville Democrat that there was also another phone with a cracked screen that was found in the vehicle. That makes three phones, and from what I can tell, it seems like people usually only saw him with two. Regardless, at this point, it seemed like John had zero of his phones with him. Hey guys, I have been feeding my Fur Kingdom Smalls for probably almost a year now, and this Meow Factory is operating on a level I didn't know possible. In the past, Betty was the king of Meowdom, occasionally switching spots with Princess Consuela Banana Hammock, Trudy, and Maya, but now I am the queen. I have never seen a happier and more loyal fluff brigade than when I am dropping our next sponsor into their bowls, Smalls. If you're a listener of this show, you know that my little floofs cannot live without Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge, and it's delivered right to your door. One of the things I love most about Smalls is where the company started. It was just a small group of dudes who loved their cats and wanted to cook for them. And here they are six years later, having served millions of meals to thousands of cats around the world, mine being four of them. I'm no longer giving them crusty kibble or gagging when I open a can. When I tell you that my little fuzz muffins run when they hear me open their Smalls package, I am not joking, even a little. 
After making the switch to smalls, cat owners are seeing some big improvements in their cats. 78% of cat owners reported that their cats had shinier and softer fur, and 90% reported overall health improvements. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they will refund you if your cat won't eat their food. And Smalls is so passionate about cats, they're working on opening their own cat cafe. I'll let everyone know once the cafe is open, so if you live in the area, you can check it out. I don't think I've ever been more excited about a cafe in my entire life. Smalls is the food I give my cat, so if you want to give it a try, head to smalls.com slash bigmad and use promo code bigmad at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code bigmad for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code bigmad for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. Within only 24 hours of John going missing, Ozarks first reports that 36 searchers across 13 different agencies had helped search over 90 acres of area surrounding the park, but there was no sign of John anywhere. John's brother Richard, who's been pretty vocal since John's disappearance, told the outlet that there are a lot of oddities about his brother's disappearance. He said police kind of agreed after investigation that the circumstances are pretty suspicious. Though a sergeant with the department told Ozarks first that there were no signs of foul play at neither the RV nor where John's car was found. Even though John's case was going viral on social media, the information being released was pretty sparse until May 27th when Richard gave the Daily Beast a little more information about what had happened the morning John went missing. He said that after finishing his shift at 7 a.m., John texted his fiance to tell her that he'd see her later. Fiance being a very new word in this case and new to John too. He and his fiancée, a nurse practitioner, had gotten engaged a couple of weeks after his divorce was finalized and just days before he went missing. Many he knew didn't seem to find out about their relationship until after John went missing, let alone that, according to the Daily Mail, they were expecting a baby very, very soon. Richard told the Daily Beast that there was actually security footage of John's vehicle pulling into the Aquatic Center at 7.15 a.m. The Aquatic Center is just a mile south of the hospital, so if John went back to his RV after leaving the hospital, it only would have been for a few minutes. Three minutes after pulling into the Aquatic Center, Richard says that a white SUV pulled into frame and parked near John's car. In this particular statement, Richard doesn't specify where in the parking lot this happened, but a later comment seems to allude that it all took place through the fence in that dumping area where John's car was found. According to Richard, the SUV stayed near John's car for a few minutes and then drove away. He says that someone who looked and dressed like John walked around his vehicle for 10 to 15 minutes before he walked away from his car, never to be seen again. 10 to 15 minutes of anyone walking near their car, especially in a secluded area at 7 in the morning, feels like waiting or contemplating. And judging by the fact that the man we can only assume was John walked off, it sounds like it might have been a little of both. The Daily Beast article doesn't detail what happened between the driver of the SUV and presumably John. The video is apparently pretty grainy. 
I do find it intriguing, though, that police themselves haven't come out and said anything about the SUV, nor have they asked the public for their help in identifying who might have been driving it. This all came from Richard, so maybe they already have an idea of who it might be, maybe not. Only they know at this point. On May 30th, DNYUZ reported that a few possible sightings of John had come in following his disappearance. On the day John disappeared, one witness reportedly said she saw a man matching John's description walking down the trail south of the aquatic center at around 12.30 p.m., seemingly in a hurry. The location seems promising, but that would mean that John was still in the vicinity of his car hours after walking away from it. Another possible sighting of John was on a nature trail at a hatchery eight miles south of the park. Though if both sightings are legitimate, it would mean that John went to the hatchery and then back to the park within that five-hour time frame and for whatever reason, never seemed to revisit his unlocked vehicle with all of his stuff still in it. As the day went on and the public was taking in the new-to-them information, something much more terrifying was happening in Arkansas. At 4.43 p.m. that afternoon, KY3 reports that a kayaker on Beaver Lake in the Lost Bridge South area of Arkansas dialed 911 to report that he had found a body near the banks of the lake. Police responded and found the body of missing 49-year-old Dr. John Forsyth. He had suffered a gunshot wound. No one knows at this point where on his body that gunshot wound was, but the news hit that small town of Cassville, Missouri like a brick. He had been so close but so far the entire time. While Arkansas is obviously a different state than Missouri, it's only 27 miles apart or a 35-minute drive across state lines. Based on maps and local reports of dry creek beds, there doesn't seem to be any way for John's body to have naturally moved through any body of water in Cassville towards that lake in Missouri. Up until this point, there were a lot of people who thought that maybe John had run away to avoid paying the almost $9,000 a month in financial responsibility left over from his divorce. But finding him dead in a lake in Missouri with a gunshot wound kind of changed everything. While some wondered if maybe he had committed suicide, most decided that considering the circumstance, it was really unlikely. Everyone who knew John said that he was happy, smart, driven, and had been at the top of his game financially and making plans. He'd recently proposed to his girlfriend, was expecting a baby, and was going to be traveling out of state to visit his daughter soon. On top of that, Richard told Ozarks first that John didn't even have a gun. He said they'd talked about it before and John didn't even want to own one. Richard told Fox that there was no way his brother had killed himself, adding many times he mentioned he might be in danger. And out of the leftist of fields, Richard told Fox that back in February of 2022, John had been kidnapped. Brand new information. He told the station that it was cold, John had been zip-tied, was made to feel very unsafe, and that his brother had been taken on a car ride with some people to a bridge and was threatened. Richard told the station that John's kidnapping was never reported to police because his brother believed he was in continued danger, that Richard himself had only found out about the kidnapping incident from a mutual friend after John went missing. According to the Daily Mail, that mutual friend wants to remain anonymous due to ongoing safety concerns. 
Richard, however, told the outlet that he personally believes John's kidnapping was crypto-related. Where and when John's body was found posed a lot of questions. He was found after Memorial Day weekend, and locals wondered how his body hadn't been noticed with all of the boat traffic over the holiday weekend. There was also a question as to how his body was identified so quickly since all of his identifying information seemed to have been left back in his vehicle. If John's body had been in that lake for nine days, I hate even having to say this, but you would expect there to be some significant decomposition to his body, including bloating. But there didn't seem to be any kind of delay in confirming that it was in fact John. Was it possible he had left a note? Had his body been there the entire nine days he had been missing? No one knows at this point. With no autopsy results available, the internet was flooded with people debating on what they think happened. If John went to the lake on his own accord, how did he get there? 27 miles isn't far when you're driving a car, but John's car had been left at the aquatic park. John went missing after a 12-hour shift at the hospital, leaving him no time to sleep by the time his car was spotted on surveillance footage. The idea that he would have walked 27 miles on foot down to the lake seems unlikely but not impossible. Though none of those purported sightings included anyone who looked like John walking along any major highways. Some have suggested that maybe he used a rideshare service since he waited around before walking away, that maybe the driver hadn't come to him and John walked over to where they were. But locals have said that ridesharing in their tiny little community is almost non-existent. And if he had used a rideshare app, there would be some kind of digital trail as to how he ordered it, when he was picked up, and where he was taken, let alone how he paid for it. At the very least, there would be some kind of record of any rideshare drivers who picked up a passenger in the area that day. Richard told Ozarks First that John's death is being investigated as a homicide, that detectives told him that the day after John's body was found. In all fairness, though, all deaths should and usually are investigated as a homicide until otherwise proven. Richard added, at this point, it looks like he was abducted and killed and thrown into a lake. Just looking at it from my point of view, that's what it seems like. On June 3rd, Richard spoke to Five News Online and said, Our understanding was that he was abducted from Cassville, taken to that lake, executed, and thrown in. That is not official, that is not from the police, but that is what we understand at this point. Last week, on June 5th, Lauren Barnes from Fox 49 tweeted that John's autopsy had been completed, though the final results and any answers as to what may have happened to Dr. John Forsyth might not come back for more than 90 days. As this case progresses and any updates come out, I will be sure to update you. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out John's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley. To get access to ad-free and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmantruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It makes my day every single time. And if you have a case you'd like to hear covered, share with Big Mad True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by listener request. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.